shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bokris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Buck. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachok from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers team tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. It's the CHL Playoff Special. My guest, uh, well, I'll tell you about that coming up shortly. But as always, welcome to the program. If you're a newcomer, then uh, I hope you enjoy the stay and that you'll come back for more. If you are a returning listener, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. And you know the drill. We start with the question of the day. It's brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are getting set to take on the Medicine Hat Tigers in round one of the Western Hockey League playoffs. That starts on Saturday here in Edmonton. It's a Saturday-Sunday affair, playing back-to-back because Edmonton Oilers are in action uh, tonight. Oh, that's Thursday. And uh, Michelle Obama is in town for a speaking engagement at Rogers Place on Friday. So the building sold out. The Oilers play Saturday afternoon against the Ottawa Senators. So the Oil Kings will be in action Saturday evening. That's a 7.30 start. You can get all your tickets through oilkings.ca. $79 uh, ticket pass. Good for the entire playoffs. You can find that at oilkings.ca as well. The question of the day, I put it out on Twitter. Pretty obvious question, and that is uh, which three teams will join Halifax at the Memorial Cup this year? So you got to give me a champion from the OHL, the Q, and the WHL. And I didn't say it at the time, but uh, I should have said, and don't pick whoever finished first in uh, the regular season in those leagues, because everybody's taking Roy Naranda, pretty much. Most people are taking the Prince Albert Raiders, and uh, most people are also taking the Ottawa 67s. So those are the three teams who finished at the top of the regular season standings in those three leagues. If you're hearing this and you haven't voted on the, well, it's not a poll, but if you haven't answered the question on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy, by the way, try giving me three teams who uh, aren't considered the number one seed going into their respective league playoffs. We'll have some fun with it that way. And if I'm going to answer that question, I'm going to go and I'm going to say the uh, Saginaw Spirit in the Ontario Hockey League. I'll pick the Everett Silvertips out of the Western Hockey League, two American teams there. And out of the queue, I'll say uh, Drummondville. How about that? Obviously, lots to get to on the show today. We'll have uh, a news and notes segment here shortly, and then I'll tell you uh, what's coming down the pipe. All right, now to help me with the news and notes portion of uh, this opening segment, we get Sam Cosentino from uh, Rogers Sportsnet. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Sammy. Thanks for doing this. How are you? Yeah, Guy, nice to be back. Everything's well. Thanks. Look, Really looking forward to the start of the playoffs. Uh, We've got some Ontario action on the network coming up, but uh, we'll try and get out and, and obviously view as many games as I can uh, live and in person. That always seems to be the best way to go about it. Yeah, exciting time of year for sure. The start of the playoffs, everybody's on equal footing uh, and always upsets in the in the first round. We'll get to the playoff series 
in a bit. But in this opening segment, we do the news and notes. And three things I wanted to get your take on, starting with the exceptional status uh, situation for a couple of players. Shane Wright granted exceptional status uh, by Hockey Canada to play in the OHL. But Matthew Savoy uh, not given the same uh, status out here in the Western Hockey League. Start with Shane Wright. Uh, not a surprise, I don't think, by by any means. Uh, what kind of a player is he? And, and I assume that you uh, were on board with him getting this uh, recognition as well. Yeah, no question. I've seen him a co- play a couple of times. I don't think he was at our best in in our game that was broadcast on the network uh, Monday night. The OHL Cup finally got banged up early in that game. Uh, but having watched him play earlier in the week in the OHL Cup tournament, uh, having spoken to him through uh, the conference call, having spent a little time with him after the uh, OHL Cup uh, awards banquet, um, you know, you got a pretty good sense that he's an awfully mature young man. And then you look at his body type, and he's probably 185 pounds. He's he's very solidly built. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he passes the eye test physically. There's no doubt you can spend five minutes with the kid, and you realize uh, just how mature he is well beyond his years. So that kind of gives you the, uh, you know, the passing the test, if you will, of, of, of being someone who's going to be able to handle adversity when thrown at him. And, and there's going to be a lot thrown at him here in his, in his first year, no doubt. Uh, and then watching him play, you understand how he's going to walk into the Ontario Hockey League next year. And, and if he's healthy, uh, no doubt he's going to be a major contributor to the, to the Kingston Frontenacs. The team expected him to take, uh, expected to take number one. You would be shocked if he's not taken first overall. Oh, yeah. I think, um, you know, Kingston, after making a real big push last year, uh, I think the Frontenacs are in a situation right now where they need that type of guy. They've never really had that type of player who was, who was homegrown. I mean, Lawson Cross didn't spend enough time there. You know, Spencer Watson was traded late in his career there. Um, you know, Gabe Velarde was brought over there. So they haven't really had that that kind of star guy, um, you know, in, in a long time. So I think he's a real nice piece to be able to set this franchise back on track. Were you surprised with the outcome in regards to Matthew Savoy, who is on paper having even a, a stronger year than uh, than Shane Wright has had uh, this season? Um, I know I've, I've seen a lot of people say, why would the WHL turn him down? It's not a WHL thing. It's a Hockey Canada thing, which then opens the door to questioning why they felt that Shane Wright was uh, worthy, but not Matthew Savoy. Uh, any take on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I know part of the process, at least in Ontario, it has to go through the Ontario Hockey Federation. The governing body in Alberta, I think it's probably the Alberta Hockey Association. I'm, I'm not exactly familiar with what happens there at, the, at the minor um, hockey levels there. Um, but here's a player, Guy, that I haven't seen play. I've seen his numbers in all the tournaments, whether it's at the World Selects or playing at the Canada Winter Games, um, you know, you get a sense that this guy's an awfully good player in terms of the sheer numbers. Um, but having not seen him play, I can't give you an answer on whether or not he passes the eye test in that regard, although the numbers would indicate that. He's another, uh, another thing for me is I've never spent any time with him. So mm-hmm. the ability to talk to him or get a sense for how mature he is, I've never had that experience. So I couldn't even comment properly on that. Um, but then if you rewind the tape a little bit, that's why they have the process that they have um, to go through Hockey Canada and the Alberta Hockey Association to make those determinations on people who are a lot smarter in those areas than I am. I always like Ian, and I think you know this going back in our history of working together. 
for me, I like to see as much as I can and experience as much as I can with my own eyes. Uh, because then that can corroborate what I've heard from other people or that can allow you to form your, your own opinions based on firsthand experience. Uh, but with Matthew, I've never had the opportunity to see that in person. And for whatever reason, um, you know, not granted the size. Now, the interesting part is, you know, he's still likely going to be drafted into the Western Hockey League. Uh, because of his commitment to Denver, that's not likely going to be as high as it should be in mm-hmm. terms of his draft. So what does that mean in the long run? I mean, we're still a long ways from him actually showing up on the University of Denver's doorstep. And the one thing that we are certain of is if he does end up playing in the Western Hockey League, he's not going to be able to play the full complement uh, next year. So, you know, those are the things that, that we know. But I wish I could comment further on the type of player and type of person the same way I could, Shane, right? I just don't have that firsthand experience. Fair enough, uh, Sam. We appreciate that. Uh, last uh, news and notes item to get to is your 2019 draft rankings that came out about a week ago at sportsnet.ca. The big attention grabber at the top is Kapokako uh, overtaking Jack Hughes by the slimmest of margins. But uh, to see him, number one, maybe uh, an eyebrow raiser for some people. I've actually kind of been leaning towards that, uh, at least the consideration for a while now. Just for me, it's uh, simply Jack Hughes has been really banged up this year, and I'm wondering if that plays into it at all for you. If he's getting hurt at this level, how is he going to survive at the next level? Meanwhile, Kapokako has just been having a fantastic season, and no questions uh, or concerns about his size uh, playing against men already and having success. What was the difference for you? Yeah, well, I think a little bit of that. I mean, I, I always think back to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, just how slim he was and how slight a frame he was when he started his National Hockey League career. I think about Elias Patterson, And, yes, he's having a, a brilliant, brilliant rookie season, but how many times has he been dragged off the ice or missed time yeah. uh, because of the physical play? So, And he's a bit older than what Jack is, is going to be, uh, you know, if he starts in the National Hockey League next year. So I do have some concerns about that. There's no doubt. But the one thing that I really wanted to draw attention to is the fact that, you know, a lot of people in North America uh, don't get the opportunity either to watch a player live, to watch video, or to experience some of the things that Capocaco has been able to do. And when you look at him breaking goal records and, you know, surpassing point records of, you know, Miko Rantan, Yasperi, Kod Kanyemi, Patrick Laine, Alexander Barkov, you're talking about some pretty heavy competition. Barkov and Rantan are obviously... The, the better com, uh, comparables there because they've played longer in the National Hockey League. But each of those guys in their draft year, Kako has done something that bettered what those players did in their draft eligible year playing in that same league against men. So I think there needs to be strong consideration about that. Hmm. Then there's the size thing. You know, here's a guy who, who's playing against men this year who should be able to withstand some of the rigors of what the NHL is going to have uh, to offer him next year. So that was the two main things for me is, hey, Jack Hughes is just a, a brilliant player. Yes, he's a little slight of frame. There's no doubt he's going to be an impact player in the National Hockey League. But I don't want people to forget about Capo Caco just because he's playing over in Finland. You know, the other thing I, I'd kind of harken back to is the John Tavares-Victor Hedman year. Right. Yes, they played different positions, but no one really gave Hedman a chance to take that number one spot for the most part because people hadn't really watched him play. It's a lot easier to be able to do that now. But if we go back and rewind the tape, John Tavares is a star in the National Hockey League. 
But Victor Hedman is an underrated star yeah. in the National Hockey League. So you can't argue with, with what happened there. And I don't necessarily think people would have argued had they looked at Victor Hedman going first. To find that anchor defenseman at his size who plays as much as he plays and contributes what he does, uh, you know, with the intangibles and whatever else, we always get drawn by the sexy numbers, which John Tavares has put up, and he's done an amazing job. I, I get to see it here firsthand in Toronto uh, quite often. But Victor Hedman's a really good National Hockey League defenseman, you know, probably top five in, 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 in his position in the league right now. And I, the one thing you mentioned about Bowen Byram in the uh, video uh, that accompanies the uh, prospect ranking at sportsnet.ca, you mentioned Bowen Byram, potentially a top five guy. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that, not because I think he uh, necessarily uh, is a better player than some of the guys you have ranked ahead of him. I just think because he's clearly the best defenseman this year, there's going to be a team in the top five who wants a defenseman, and maybe even somebody outside the top five who needs a defenseman that trades up into that top five to get him. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the positional bias is always going to play. But the one thing I'd caution against is if I look at some of the guys that he's potentially in competition with, whether it be Alex Turcott or Dylan Cousins or Kirby Doc, potentially Trevor Zegers, all of those guys are centermen. Now, Zegers has played the wing some, uh, but I don't think there would be any issues projecting him as a center moving forward. So when you're talking about positional bias when it comes to defensemen and center, there is a slight gap there. Now, if those players that we are comparing him against were wingers, you'd have more of a wide uh, positional variance gap. So that's the thing that makes me think that that five range is probably, you know, pr- pretty pretty accurate or pretty good projection in that regard. Um, but listen, if someone is really excited about taking the defenseman in that spot because that's the need they need to fill, uh, my guess is that Bowen Byron won't play in the National Hockey League next year. And if he does, he won't play the, you know, the full complement. He might get, you know, his under ten games or whatever the case might be. Just don't know if he's quite ready for that yet. And that's. Mm. Not problematic at all, but if the team is looking to draft a defenseman who's going to play next year, I just don't know if that player exists in this year's draft. Great stuff. That's Sam Cosentino helping me out with the uh, news and notes portion of this opening segment. Now we get into what's coming down the pipe, being the guest list for today's show. Only one guest today. That is Sam Cosentino. And when we come back, we will kick it off with the uh, preview of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs here on the Pipeline Show. Down there by Zaboral. Puck comes free. Ward's clearing play to the line. It skips out to center. Valeno trying to break shorthanded. Joe Valeno, penalty coming. Valeno deking, scores! Joe Valeno, shorthanded goal! Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and my guest, our CHL Insider for the entire show, is Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. Uh, the CHL Insider brought to you by the Store Next Door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, collecting all the broken hockey sticks so you can get to them, and uh, they'll make some really cool furniture and uh, stuff out of it. I recommend you go check out their website, thestorenextdoor.ca. 
Sam, let's get to the uh, playoffs in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, the Royal Narada Huskies, the number one ranked team in the entire CHL, they have to be considered the number one favorites going in. They face a Shawinigan in the first round. Uh, any reason to think the Cataract can put up much of a fight here? Nope, not whatsoever. <laughs> I think this is a, a really easy four-gamer here. I mean, you look at the point differential, it's it's ridiculous. 33 points to 117, I believe it is, for for Ruan, Miranda, uh, there's just way too much firepower there. And essentially, Shawinigan needed the, the last day to get into the playoffs uh, with, with St. John having uh, not been able to to, com- to compete in that position. So uh, I think those are the four gamers. just way too much going on with Ru- Ruan, Miranda. You look at a coach who you know won the Memorial Cup last year. He's brought Noah Dobson along with him there. Uh, Joel Teasdale has been a real good add. Alex Bocage, really good draft-eligible player. Raphael, Harvey Pinard, uh, Peter Ben, the league-leading scorer. Uh, they're, you know, Justin Bergeron. There's a lot to like about their hockey club, and it extends up and down the middle of the ice from their goaltenders, Zaymol and Harvey, um, you know, right up to their coach, essentially. So I, I think they're the favorite amongst the, all of the league's teams going into uh, into the playoffs here. The Halifax Mooseheads, interesting first round against the Quebec Rampart. Patrick Waugh uh, behind the bench. Uh, again, I would expect the Mooseheads to be the favorite going into this series, but the Patrick Waugh uh, component makes it a little extra special. The uh, Mooseheads hosting the Memorial Cup. They expect this is a team that doesn't lose out in the first round and then has to come back two months later and play. I would say that they're, again, heavy favorites against Quebec. The one thing that worries me a little bit, I mean, the health of their club, I think they've had their the lineup that they want to take to the Memorial Cup. I think they've had that lineup for one period this year. Yeah. Uh, and we were in there last weekend. Raphael, Raphael Lavoie was out. Uh, Ducks prospect, uh, Antoine Moran was out. I think both guys, those guys will start the playoffs, but you know, if they missed the last couple of games of the regular season, are they going to be at a hundred percent? Not likely. Um, but those guys are, they're really big pieces, uh, you know, for Halifax here moving forward. Quebec, no doubt, will have a deke or two in them. You know, Patrick Waugh is uh, the master at the mind games, and he's got a team that really competes. They, they lack on the skill side of things, but he likes his group, and he made so many changes at the trade deadline to get this group to where it wants to be and to position itself with some draft picks moving forward that it won't be long before they're back in the national scene once again. But I think Halifax is just a little bit too much firepower. This is probably a five-game series because I see Quebec getting at least one of their home games. Is Ostap Safin back at playing for Halifax? I know he'd missed so much of the year. Yeah, no, he was back. Um, I think he played by the end of the year 16 regular season games, and there was a lot of uh, hoopla over that uh, particular trade and the injury and so on. But yeah. uh, he's back, and, and he's playing. It's just getting back to that consistent level and uh, and finding his, his game legs and maintaining them there in the playoffs. Is there a series in the queue in the opening round that uh, has your attention you think could be a pretty good one? Well, I like the Charlottetown series. And, you know, that's a really interesting series to me because Charlottetown and Cape Breton were kind of battling back and forth right down to essentially the final game of the year for that fourth spot in uh, in the Eastern Conference there. And I love Jimmy Halton and the way he's coached his hockey club here. You know, they had to move away from a couple of key players and Pierre Olivier Joseph and Keith Getson yet they still found a way to secure home ice. So I have a real good appreciation for, for what Jim Halton's been able to do there as the general manager and head coach. And now he's got a group that's young, that works really hard. They have some nice players in the back end. They're, um, you know, a team that, that's seemingly perennially, uh, you know, in the hunt. So that series has a lot of interest uh, 
in it for me. And again, it's a four or five series, so it should. Yeah. Uh, but that would be the one that kind of strikes me as being a really interesting series because I do think that the team that comes out of there is more of a threat than maybe their uh, seeding would uh, would suggest. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and I guess, is there a, a series that you could see a potential for an upset that might surprise some people, but not you because you've got the inside scoop? Um, you know, if I'm looking at that league, although the format has changed here slightly, some things have remained intact in terms of, for example, you're going to get Shawinigan playing Ruin Miranda in what would have been a 116 matchup anyways. Yeah. With the conference format the way it is, it still, for me, sets up as the final four teams being the final four teams, being the 100-point teams when you start with Ruan and then you move through uh, Drummondville, uh, Halifax, which finished third if you go by the league standings and Bay Como, which, uh, which finished fourth. So I, I do believe that those two teams will, will hold serve. Will you see something along the way that unseats those teams? I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, Drummondville's really, really strong. Uh, Bay Como getting Alex Dorio to kind of settle down their goaltending situation was really key. Uh, then Halifax, you know, they're, they're deep. And they're they're definitely a worthy host, and we have already talked about Rowan and Miranda. So I don't think uh, we'll see anything different, but those four teams playing uh, in the semifinal. All right, last one uh, with the Q. Who's got the best goalie that can steal a series? Oh boy, I, I think I think it's Rowan and Miranda. So you know, are they going to steal a series? They probably they likely won't have to. But they're two goalies. Zachary Amon's a, a Vegas pick, and Samuel Harvey's a, an overager. I mean. I'd be hard pressed to say that that's not the best tandem in all the CHL. Now, David Tendek and Trent Miner in Vancouver have been dynamite. I think this tandem is just slightly better. And I look at some of Samuel Harvey's experience and I, and I really like where they're at with their tandem. So I strongly believe that they have the best goaltending and that might even be right across the, the 60 team league. All right. That's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoff preview when we come back. We'll get to the Ontario Hockey League. More with Sam Cosentino when we come back here on the Pipeline Show. Jameson starting out of his own zone for the London Knights. Now a pass to Kachuk inside the blue line. Kachuk waits. Scores! Matthew Kachuk! The Knights win the Memorial Cup! I'm Mitch Marner of the London Knights. It's Max Jones. It's Cliff Brooks. Hey, it's Ole Uwala. It's Hey, this is Andrea Stephanistiu. Salud Parsons. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. Ganey walks in, doesn't shoot, now he will and scores! Logan Ganey up top, bar down, and the Saints, they're on top once again, it's 2-1. Hey, this is Brandon E. Winchester with the Junior Prospect of the Week, brought to you by Silent Air. This week is Irmer, Alberta native, 1999-born forward Logan Ganey. The 19-year-old just finished his third full season with the Spruce Grove Saints of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, where he now has over 160 regular season games played, including 50 goals and 70 assists. 
Allegheny was a huge part of last season's Saints Championship where he put up seven points in 12 postseason games. I'm a smart two-way forward who uh, likes to take care of D-zone first, but also uh, likes to get on the scoreboard as well. There you have it, the Junior Prospect of the Week brought to you by Silent Air. Come check out Logan Ganey and the rest of the Spruce Grove Saints as they play in the AJHL North Division Final next weekend against either the Sherwood Park Crusaders or the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We move from the Q to the O as the Ontario Hockey League playoffs also get set to kick off this weekend. Sam Cosentino, our CHL insider for the thestorenextdoor.ca, is back. And uh, Sam, it, again, the Ottawa 67s have been the, the number one ranked team out of the OHL, the top ranked club out of the OHL pretty much from wire to wire this year. In your mind, are they considered to be the favorites? I really like their club composition. It's extremely deep. They've got a nice uh, mix of, of youth and experience. Uh, you know, they got the sniper and Ty Feliber. I think the one thing that they, that they would lack is that one guy who can change a game on a dime. Um, and, you know, is how important is that with the depth that they have? I'm not really sure that that is a huge issue. For Ottawa, but I love their goaltending because Michael DiPietro was brought in, and although he hasn't played as well there, this is the time of the year when he seems to step up. You know, having said that, he's only got three or four playoff wins in his career because the year that Windsor hosted the Memorial Cup, I think he only had three wins, and he might have one or two more additional in addition to that. So, you know, but he's played at a World Juniors and he's won a Memorial Cup, so those are really important, you know, checks to have on your resume. Um, and should he fail? Uh, or falter. Cedric Andres had one of the greatest years for what would be considered a backup uh, of anyone that maybe I've ever seen in my 14 years, mm. you know, with his win totals, his goals against. So they're really capable, um, you know, starting from the goaltender out. Um, you know, guys like Ohachuk, who's draft eligible this year, uh, Kevin Ball in the back end, just signed with Arizona. They've got a lot of good anchors back there. You know, a guy like Graham Clark, who's expected to go and probably in the top 50 picks this year, is essentially playing third and fourth line minutes. So they do have that depth up front. Um, I really like their hockey club. Now, having said that, Key, there's some really interesting things going on in the, in the Eastern Conference. It's much stronger this year than it has been in quite some time. Uh, I look at the Sudbury Wolves, uh, the Niagara Ice Dogs, the Oshawa Generals as four teams that would not surprise me if either one of those teams ended up coming out of the conference. But I do, because of their depth, put Ottawa slightly ahead of the class. Well, the Niagara Ice Dogs, they score a ton of goals, don't they? 326 uh, goals for this year, and they don't give up a whole lot, only 209. I think Ottawa is the only team in the conference who have uh, allowed fewer goals than that. So Niagara's got a lot going on. Uh, I should have asked you about them when we were talking news and notes because news for them off the ice, their uh, big uh, infraction penalty from the OHL for violating recruitment uh, rules reduced significantly. Uh, now only have to pay 150 grand in just one first round pick. What'd you make of that decision, by the way? Pretty interesting. I think that had the two things stayed where they were, it would have been crippling to the franchise, which has been a, you know, a really good franchise since moving there. The, the ownership and the city have worked hard together to, to get into the new building. It's one of the best buildings in all of junior hockey, the Meridian Center. Um, so they traded so much away this year that to take their first, uh, 
picks in each of the next two drafts would have been, and that might have set them on a course of six or seven years before they got back to any sort of prominence. So it does ease some of that pain, uh, no doubt. But when things like this go sideways in the league, you still have to send a strong message that that type of behavior is not going to be tolerated. And while, you know, Niagara may seem to want to pass the buck, um, you know, the fact of the matter is someone has to be responsible in the here and now, mm-hmm. and that's the current ownership group. Uh, and obviously, uh, with things getting reduced the way they have, they'll be a lot happier than they were yesterday, uh, you know, at this point. Well, off-ice hasn't seemed to have uh, affected the on-ice performance of the Ice Dogs. Uh, Jason Robertson led the OHL in regular season scoring, 117 points. And this is a team with a lot of firepower uh, and definitely expected to go pretty far. Yeah, three 100-point guys, so that's a pretty cool thing to have in the final um, day of the regular season. Akeel Thomas and Ben Jones were both able to, to eclipse that century mark, so that's really neat. You know, Stephen Dillon, their goaltender, is a guy who's really interesting to me because he has game-stealing potential. Uh, he just hasn't shown it on, enough on a consistent basis. So we'll see if he's going to be able to get that uh, turned around and play more consistently. But the one thing is for sure – this team does have the ability to win high-scoring games based on the firepower that they have. Now, what makes uh, Oshawa and Sudbury contenders in your mind, Sam? Well, Sudbury, it's uh, Yuko Pekka Lukanen in goal. Yeah. To me, he's probably the best goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, and, and so not only does this guy have game-stealing potential, I think he has series-stealing potential. And that's what makes Sudbury really dangerous. You know, uh, Bud Stefanski was hired on uh, as Corey Stillman's assistant coach. And Bud Stefanski, who most recently worked in scouting with the Toronto Maple Leafs, spent a lot of time in the Ontario Hockey League. And yes, the game has changed. But he's a no-nonsense guy who I have gotten to know quite well over the years. And I think he's really helped Corey in a lot of different areas in sending direct messages to their players, in, in making sure that the demands that the coaches have are met by the players. Um, and the interesting thing is Corey Stillman now in, in his second go-around probably learned a ton last year, maybe even more than he'd be willing to admit, just about the league and about how things uh, work as a head coach and the things that go beyond coaching that as a head coach you need to take care of, whether it's billeting, parents, you know, dealing with agents, um, you know, and all the auxiliary things outside of coaching. So I think those two have just done a brilliant job this year. Now, they score by committee. They play a hard, heavy, physical brand. Um, they got a couple guys in the back that are underrated, but I, I like their team game. I just don't know if they have the high, high-end firepower. But what makes them contenders for me is the goaltender. I really think that he has series-stealing potential. So no upsets in the OHL's uh, Eastern Conference uh, in the first round, you don't think? I don't think so on the Eastern side. So, And to touch on Oshawa really quickly. Oh, too. sorry. Again, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, they... In goal, Kyle Kaiser, world junior experience. You know, he's he's been around the block here a little bit. Uh, on the back end, uh, Leighton Moore is healthy now. Even though he's a 16-year-old, they're, they're going to lean on him for some pretty big minutes here coming down the stretch. And he's a player that they absolutely love. What I liked about Oshawa is that they made a couple of tweaks at the deadline. And when you look at the numbers of the personnel they replaced, the numbers weren't all that different. What was interesting, though, is that they were able to acquire Leighton Moore and a couple of more picks yet essentially come out of the, the trade uh, portion with with a lineup that looks similar, yeah. with more experience. You know, Brandon Sage won a, the OHL championship last year with Hamilton, so he's 
been a big piece there moving forward. So I, I like their hockey club because of that. Greg Walters, their head coach, is the re-up. So they've, they're really happy with the job he's done. Um, and again, I, I like their team, but I don't see any upsets in the Eastern Conference. All right. In the West, you've got the usual suspects in the London Knights and the Sioux Greyhounds and then some newcomers. Haven't seen Guelph uh, there since 2014, and the Saginaw Spirit are uh, having a terrific year as well, uh, really loaded up at the trade deadline. Those four teams uh, significantly ahead of the uh, rest of the pack in the Western Conference. I, I guess maybe start with, is there an upset in the making at all in the uh, the Western Conference either? No, again, I don't see it there. What, yeah. Where things are going to get interesting for me is, is after this first round. What happens? You know, you're going to have London. Likely you're going to have London. Um, you know, Saginaw, Guelph, and Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie, you can never discount because of their experience. They've been there. They've done it. Matthew Vellato is the most tenured goaltender in terms of wins in all the CHL. He has got 15 of them in his career. 14 of those came last year as they won the, the Western Conference. Um, you know, Morgan Frost, unbelievable year. Likely, if he didn't get suspended, would have won a scoring title. Uh, there's a lot to like about Sault Ste. Marie, but their experience, I think, is the key factor there. To me, well, on paper has the best team, but they've been banged up. And I don't know if all their injured guys are going to be participating at least early on in their first round series. They may not need them, need them to. The one area that there are some concerns with golf is Anthony Popovich and goal. He just doesn't have that, that playoff experience. And his numbers are very pedestrian throughout the course of the regular season. Now, when I move down the list, Saginaw to me is one of the most interesting teams in the lot. You know, you've got a couple of guys there that might have potential to go play AHL games, um, but they've really done a good job uh, going out and securing pieces here and there, most notably Owen Tippett and, and Ryan McLeod from, from Mississauga. Yet they already had a nice group of players in place. But the same thing goes with them. Ivan Pozvodov is their goaltender as an Arizona prospect. He can be really up and down. Mm. But in general, that might be the team that uh, that could sneak up on somebody, especially in round number two. The London Knights of the London Knights. You got Boquist and Bouchard in the back. You got Foodie, Formanton, the Killer Bs in the back, the Killer Fs up front with with uh, Foodie and Formanton. You got Connor McMichael who's had a brilliant year. A lot of people don't give Kevin ha- Hancock the credit that he deserves, but here's a well tenured guy with a couple long runs with Owen Sound. You know, uh, 107 points, 50 50 plus goals, 50 plus assists. He's that one kind of dynamic game changer that I think London felt that they needed to, to, to take it to the next level. So I think in the Western Conference, things get really interesting in, in round number two. And that's where you might see, you know, an upset where, you know, maybe a Guelph, if they don't get the full health, maybe Sault Ste. Marie goes down. You know, maybe Saginaw is the one that emerges from the pack there. Well, and really, when you've got four teams separated by nine points, if all those four get to the second round, Really wouldn't be upsets, would they? I mean, he'd basically coin tosses in both those, uh, second yeah. round series. Yeah. No, no. Really, re- really, really strong team. So, you know, I, again, London with this franchise experience to me has a slight leg up on the competition, but that's, that one's really too close to call. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. You could make a case for any one of those four teams. And it wouldn't surprise me if any one of those four teams uh, emerges the Western Conference champ. And any of those four teams could give, uh, say it's Ottawa on the other side as the number one ranked team in the uh, in the league. Any four of those uh, Western teams uh, could also give uh, Ottawa a handle too. Oh yeah, I don't I don't think there's any question about that. I think that's I think the OHL championship is poised to be like like really good and and lengthy and 
and and difficult. I don't think Ottawa is going to be able to to walk right through the league. They might have a, a bit of an easier time in the Eastern Conference, but they won't be that way in the final. We've handled the Q. We've done the OHL. Up next is the Western Hockey League playoffs. We'll continue with Sam Cosentino when we come back here on the Pipeline Show. Obey Kubel in on Orman. Gets by. Saved by Jari. What a stop. Center. Another chance. Richard. Saved by Jari. Another chance. Did they get through? Jari down. Covers it up in a huge pile in front. Tristan Jari keeps the Oil Kings season alive. Hey, it's Tristan Jari from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Oil Kings are hosting their first ever playoff series at Rogers Place. Be a part of it all as they face off with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Don't miss a moment of the chase for WHL Supremacy. Game one goes down this Saturday night at 7.30. Then, the Oil Kings look to keep momentum rolling into game two this Sunday at 6 p.m. The WHL playoffs are back in Edmonton. Fear the roar. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $21 a seat for a single game ticket. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Gee Flaming. You're goddamn right. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We continue on with our CHL playoff special, and uh, my guest has been Sam Cosentino right from start to finish here on the uh, episode this week. Now we move to the WHL, which uh, makes it an in-the-dub segment for dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening across the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. All right, Sam, the WHL playoffs get going this weekend as well. Uh, and in the uh, Western Conference, really interesting race to finish the season at the top with Vancouver and Everett in separate divisions, but battling for conference supremacy and home ice advantage. Uh, Vancouver ends up being the top uh, team out of the Western Conference. Do you think they're going to be the top team when it's all said and done coming out of the West? Wow. That's, you know, I... I love Dennis Williams and I love the experience that Everett has. Dustin Wolf has had a Carter Hart, uh, type of season. You know, they stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Uh, but Vancouver, again, a really good team game. And I, I like what, uh, their coaching staff, I think this dynamite over there with, with Michael Dick and, and Jamie Hewitt. I think those guys have just done a, a bang up job. Um, you know, do you have an edge and goaltending between the two teams? If I look at, uh, Kendick and Minor, uh, up against Dustin Wolf, the only thing you'd say is that there's just more depth in the Vancouver side. Mm. Uh, but if it's number one against number one, does, does any team really have an edge there? I don't know. That might be too, too close to call. So on the back end, you, you look at those two clubs and, you know, I think Bowen Byram has emerged as the first team Western Conference WHL All-Star. He might be the best guy in the whole lot. He might, you know, be the best defenseman in the whole league. It's 26 goals. That's a lot for, yep. you know, for a defenseman in any league. So those two teams, I, I think, are poised to meet here in the, you know, in the Western Conference final. But the one thing is that I found interesting uh, because of this playoff format, you know, Vancouver is going to get Seattle here in round number one uh, in a one versus eight, uh, essentially, if you were to break it down in conference, but because of the wild card situation. Yeah. Well, that eighth place team has more points than the second and third place teams. Um, you know, in the BC division, or at least the third place team, maybe two points behind the second place team in Victoria. So 
you know, they're, they're almost getting penalized essentially a for playing in the bad division, but B for finishing first and drawing a team like Seattle that has more points than Kamloops who needed a, you know, a, a tie breaking win to get in. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the way it all works out with the, uh, the whole wild card scenario. I, I haven't been a big fan, fan of it since they made the change, uh, f- I don't know, four years ago or something like that. Seems like every year there's some sort of, uh, eyebrow raiser and that would be the one this year. You mentioned, uh, Victoria and Kamloops, the Blazers on fire to finish the, the regular season, having to win the uh, play-in game against the Kelowna Rockets, and they did that in a lopsided victory. They might be uh, one of the hotter teams in the Western Conference going into the playoffs. Could that carry them at least through the first round? It'll be really interesting to see what type of energy level that uh, Kamloops is going to come out with in that game because, you know, you look at the the building was probably the best maybe I've ever seen it, Yeah. Um, either through, through TV or, or through being there live. I mean, the it looked like the nineties in there. People were going nuts. The building was packed. I think the tenants was 6,000 or, or just below it. And in fact, I, I sent emails to all the, the Kamloops staff after and said that was kind of, that was really cool to see the building as alive as it was. Now the building never needs any extra juice when Kelowna's in there. As you, as you well know, those two teams are about an hour and a half, two hours apart. And you know, they, they've got a, an ancient old rivalry going on there. Are they going to be able to, in their first game, uh, regenerate the same kind of excitement, the passion, um, you know, the will to win as what they had in that Tuesday night uh, tiebreaker against Kelowna? So I, I think there's going to be a, a little bit of a letdown. You know, having said that, Serge Lassois, he's done a great job since he's been in there. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a really interesting coaching choice and one that had been rumored he was going to end up somewhere, whether it was Saskatoon or, or Kamloops or one of the other open jobs. But I, I love the job he's done there with that hockey club. His challenge is going to be here in game number one to try and throw a wrench into the, the Victoria's plans is to come out with that same passion and energy that they had to beat Cologne. Now, the, the other uh, interesting series in the Western Conference to start is Spokane and Portland. The uh, Chiefs Oof. were pretty hot going down the stretch. The Portland Winterhawks kind of floundering uh, below 500 in their last 10 games. We know Spokane had won eight of their last ten. Uh, so two teams kind of going in opposite directions. Uh, how do you size up that matchup? Yeah, that one, that one's really interesting to me. Um, that's almost a pick 'em. I mean, I guess if you're a betting guy, you'd sit there and you'd, you'd put the line as a pick 'em. Because Portland, once they get home and, you know, Mike Johnson's going to have, he'll have his team ready and rocking and rolling for the playoffs. And the Spokane Chiefs, I think, have, they've really flown under the radar most of the year. You know, they've gone through some adversity and, uh, I think this is a hockey club. When you look at some of their young players, you know, you got Jared Anderson Dolan, you got Ty Smith, you got Toporowski. You have some guys there that can do some damage in a variety of ways. Um, and so they seemingly have gotten some really good goaltending down the stretch, which I think was maybe not quite as stable at the start of the year as it was down the stretch. But will that young goaltending, you know, will it be able to perform? in the playoffs as it did in the regular season. Um, and the same thing can be said in goal for, for what's happening with Portland, whether it's Hofer or Farkas or whoever they're going to end up playing there, or they have to play both or, or what the case might be. But that, uh, that to me is probably of all the series, you know, I talked a little bit about Charlottetown and Cape Breton, yeah. but of all the series, I'd say that's probably the tightest of any in the CHL. Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. Let's move for round one anyway. Yeah. For round one. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's move to the uh, Eastern Conference. The Prince Albert Raiders have been the, uh, the, the top-ranked team out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, they've got the, the Red Deer Rebels in the first round, and on paper, 
Doesn't look like you give Red Deer much of a chance, especially with Alexander Alexiev on the shelf. But Red Deer has actually played Prince Albert really well this year. They've got a goaltender in Ethan Anders who can be a difference maker. But when it's all said and done, is Prince Albert just just too powerful? I think so. But Brent Sutter, you know, he'll have his team ready for the playoffs. They they had to go and play some playoff hockey here in the last eight or ten games just to make sure that they had a secure spot. So. You know, Brent Sutter, no doubt, will have his team ready and, and raring to go. And that's likely worth one and maybe two wins in that series. But I think Prince Albert, you know, they've had a vision and it's almost like a team of destiny here. Um, you know, looking back to the 85 and, you know, thinking about how they've just had to kind of battle to get into this position. And Curtis Hunt and Mark Habscheid have been patient with that group to build this team. Now they get five 19 year old defense. They got Ian Scott and goal. That's the foundation for me for good playoff success is your back end. And I think they have that place maybe better than any team in the WHL. Uh, the Saskatoon Blades uh, square off against the Moose Jaw Warriors. Pretty good rivalry there as well. For a lot of the season, they were fairly uh, even in the standings. Saskatoon's really poured it on in the second half. Uh, how do you see that series? Well, Mitch Love, I mean, if he doesn't get coach of the year, uh, <laughs> You know, that's, that, that is really a, an awesome job that he's done coming in there. And you're, you know, you're managing a lot of different things there because you're in your first year as a head coach. Now he's got plenty of assistant coaching experience, but you know, you look at Nolan Meyer and goal. Yes, he's a little smaller, but he's a guy that I know when talking to John Paddock going, going back to last year, he used to hate playing Nolan Meyer because seemingly he'd play so well against Regina all the time, but he has you know, game-stealing ability. And you look at Gerlach and Doc, you know, they've got some guys like Florchuk. They really spread their offense quite well. Uh, so they're they're a really interesting group here, um, you know, with a guy who's in his first year as a head coach with some expectations on him. I, I think Mitch Love will be up to that task. Now, the one interesting note about this series is because Saskatoon finished in second place, they're at home, and that probably suits Moose Jaw better. For whatever reason, yeah. the Warriors just can't can't win home games. It's the it's one of the weirdest phenomenons. And you know, we we're in there, and we we're talking to Tim Hunter about it, and he, it was tough for him to really kind of pin down what it was. Um, you know, I, I, and I I don't have an answer for it, that's for sure. But their top five guys, if they're healthy and they're playing a lot, which they will because they did all year, they can go out and win you games. So that series is going to be really, really interesting to me, especially if Moose Jaw continues to play the way that it has on the on the road and can find a way to get to, you know to get a win on home ice, maybe even two of them. So that yeah, that's that's going to be a fun series to watch. I think that's a lengthy one too. Yeah, it's interesting. Moose Jaw they they're on they look like such a one line team. That one line is exceptional though with Langan, Almeida, and Braden Tracy, and two star defensemen in Josh Brook and Jet Wu. I just I don't know if one line can uh, win a series. Uh, we'll see. I think you're right, though. That one could be a lengthy series. Uh, we go to the Central Division in the Western Hockey League. The Edmonton Oil Kings Central Division champs uh, going from last place in the entire WHL to uh, top spot in their division. A pretty remarkable turnaround for this club. They go against the Medicine Hat Tigers. The Oil Kings have only lost two regular season games against the division all year, which is ridiculous. Uh, and the Medicine Hat Tigers, they are not a team that the Oil Kings should look past, though. How do you see this matchup? Medicine Hat, is a, they're always in the playoffs. Uh, Sean Clouston always has his selection of smaller 
speedy, skilled players or guys who are four and five year guys whose names you might not necessarily recognize, but until you pay attention to the score sheet a little closer and those names keep, keep recurring. So, you know, that I think Edmonton, you know, and I, I just talked about Mitch Love being coach of the year, but Brad Lauer, without a doubt, should are in consideration in that regard too. Um, you know, he has so much NHL coaching experience. Maybe, maybe that doesn't put him or maybe that puts him in a, in a, in a class above Mitch Love only because he's, you know, come from the National Hockey League where Mitch Love has had to come from an assistant coach in the Western Hockey League. But no question, Brad Lauer deserves, uh, some, some consideration for that, uh, award as well. But the Oil Kings, you know, 11 wins down the stretch. Trey Fix-Holansky leading the way for them. Um, they're going to be an interesting team to watch because they really get it done by committee. I mean, yes, of course, Trey Fix-Holansky's, you know, head over heels above everybody else. But they've really, they've gotten their scoring done by committee. They play a solid defensive game. They're, they're a fun group to watch. But I, I have a great amount of respect for their club. The same way I have for the Ottawa 67s in that they play a solid team game. The only difference is Edmonton, as compared to Ottawa, has that one game-breaking guy mm. in, uh, in Trey Fix-Melanson. All right, then you've got Lethbridge and, and the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Lethbridge just finishing a, a point or two behind Edmonton for top spot, so they've been winning a lot of games down the stretch as well. Uh, and Calgary really hot in the second half, but uh, 0-4 in their last four going into the playoffs. Uh, this, uh, How do you see this? A matchup between Lethbridge and Calgary. You worry about the health of Calgary a little bit, but you're looking at two 17-year-old goaltenders in McNaughton and Tadachuk who are likely going to carry the bulk of the Muriel for their uh, respective teams. You know, where uh, Brent Kissio's team does have some experience is the last two years going to the Eastern Conference Final. And then you add in guys like Jake Lecician and uh, Nick Henry now, and they have... Um, a real opportunity to take it to the next step. And that's what Peter Anholt recognized. Wow, that one ingredient we were missing. And I think he addressed that with that trade with Regina. So that's going to be a, 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 that series, I think to me is slightly in the hands of Lethbridge. I worry about the health of Calgary right now, but I think there's more weapons on Lethbridge. All right. When it's said and done, anybody in the East give Prince Albert a, a run for it? Or do you expect the Raiders to be in the WHL final? I expect the Raiders to be in the WHL final, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as what they experienced the competition to be in the first half of the season. Yeah. You know, when they, uh, you know, that huge stretch of what 30 games where I don't think they lost in regulation or whatever it was. Um, and who knows if it does play itself out, then they're going to get the blades in round two. If, if everyone holds, hold serve, then yep. that series could be a real humdinger. And I think that one would be a lot closer than maybe what we would have said if we were talking about this, uh, you know, on January 15th. Uh, Sam, uh, before I let you go, the poll question to start the show was, uh, I asked my audience to tell me the three teams who would join Halifax at the Memorial Cup. I guess I'll, I'll turn that question over to you. Who do you think the, those three clubs will be? Well, the Ontario one is going to be a pick'em, and I'd say London and Ottawa are probably on a collision course to to get to the to the final. There, I have a hard time seeing anyone beating Rouen Naranda um, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but you know you got Bay Como and Drummondville and Halifax to be concerned about there. Um, in the Western Hockey League, you know 
the way it sets up and the way it's kind of been looking at all year is Prince Albert against Everett. And then Vancouver had its say at the end of the year. So yeah. likely one of those three teams. But if you had to pinpoint, you know, three teams, I, I think I'm a little bit more certain about Rouen Miranda than it would be anyone else outside of Halifax uh, as the host. Great stuff. Sam, listen, I really appreciate your time. I know uh, I took up a lot of your time uh, today. Enjoy the playoffs. Uh, which uh, series do you guys have on Sportsnet? Yeah, we'll be in uh, in London for game one of that series. Uh, Windsor Spitfires and London Knights, two kind of hated rivals. You get to see a little glimpse of the future with Will Cooley and uh, Jean-Luc Foudy for Windsor and all the veterans that London has to offer. But I think I'm going to take a quick trip into Niagara and get a peek at game one uh, in that series. All right. And as the playoffs go on, will you guys be skipping around to uh, other series or do you do the London series the entire uh, seven games or how does it work? No. The way it's planned out right now is next Wednesday would be game four between Hamilton and Ottawa. And then we'd have a game four between uh, Guelph and Kitchener and game five of that series if necessary. And then likely in early April, make our way out to the Western Hockey League, which uh, I'm really looking forward to. Excellent. Sam, as always, really appreciate your time. Great to catch up. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Maybe we'll see you when you get out west. Yeah, right on, brother. It'll be a lot of fun watching the playoffs this year. I think we got a lot of good teams. I think our cup's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it should be fantastic. All right, man, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. Okay, buddy, take it easy. All right, there you have it, Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. He was the only guest on the show today. The entire CHL playoff preview, uh, thanks to him for giving me basically almost a full hour of his time today. He was driving down to Niagara to watch Game 1. Uh, of that OHL series, and uh, we just we just get going, and we uh, can't stop talking. Always appreciate uh, Sam coming on the show. That's going to wrap up this week's show. No NCAA talk, uh, no Junior A talk, no USHL talk uh, this week, but we will catch up with all of those leagues next week. Playoffs are raging onwards in the AJHL, the BCHL, across the Canadian Junior A uh, Hockey League. NCAA tournaments, uh, all conference tournaments will be complete. This weekend, we'll know the 16 teams that are into the national tournament bracket. So obviously, we will preview that big tournament next week on the show as well. And of course, this time next week, we might even be through the first round for uh, two or three or maybe more uh, series in the Canadian Hockey League. So we'll update the CHL playoffs as well. So lots to get to next week. Reminder, if you want to have some early access, uh, this was this show, probably the only show where early access was not possible. Uh, for uh, patrons, but uh, most often the interviews I do are earlier in the week, and they're up on uh, patreon.com slash show uh, for three or four days before the show comes out. Uh, this week was different, only because it's a single guest, and we did it all today, so there was no early access this week. But thanks to all of you who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash show, and if you're considering it, uh, that's the place to go to check it out. You can always follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. If you have some requests for upcoming uh, 2019 draft spotlights, guys, you want to hear from uh, before the NHL draft this June, uh, let me know. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy, or if you're a patron, uh, you can send me a note uh, that way as well. Do have one request to get Ethan Keppen from the Flint Firebirds on the show. So for Stephanie, I will endeavor to do that before the uh, draft. Anyway, again, that wraps up this week's show. Before next week's show rolls around, make sure you get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.